instead of trying to become the biggest guy in the gym, my thing was to look at it as science. If you're not writing it down, it's not science. It's great, and I'm thrilled if you go and you bench press, but my whole goal was one thing back in the day. One more rep than last time. That's it. Okay? If I do one more rep in every exercise, I'm stronger. Period. Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. Let's dive right in. And I'm here today with longtime collaborator and friend, Mr. Jeff Greenberg, who is an educator, an editor, a consultant, an author. You essentially, when you break it down, help smart people become smarter. Man, I love the way that you phrase that. I saw that and I'm like, there, because there, there's so many things that you do, so many hats. I'm sure we'll talk about some of them. Um, but it just it's simply comes down to you love teaching and educating and making smart people smarter. So very excited to talk more about what that looks like in your transformation story. Sure. One of my favorite ways to do that is to introduce people to your podcast. Which I appreciate. People. Thank you so much for that. You don't have to thank me. Um, I'm going to say, uh, say it. I'm a fan. I've been a fan from the beginning. Uh, and you have that just that wonderful message of positive change and something that I come back and I think of you often, even though I'm on the wrong coast. I'm I'm in Delaware. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Delaware. You're the one that lives in Delaware. Yeah. I'm originally <laughs> a Philadelphian. I met a wonderful, wonderful person. And the only condition was she was a school teacher. She is a school teacher. And to get married, I had to move to Delaware. <laughs> 
Mm. Well, it's funny because even though the industry itself is in L.A. and that's why I came here, the only reason I'm still in L.A. is because this is where my wife is, this is where her family is, this is where her job is. I'm at the point where you give me a fast Internet connection. I can work, do what I do from anywhere. But Los Angeles is still my home, uh, very much tied to it the way that you were tied to Delaware. So, boy, can I relate. Um, so one thing that I want to clarify to anybody that's listening, when you say you've been around since the beginning, we're talking the OG beginning when there was this thing called fitness in post. And the longer time passes, the less people know what the hell I'm talking about. But you, my friend, are very much an OG. And I can remember way back in 2014 when all this first started, you were a bit of a skeptic. I remember, I don't remember what the event was, but there was some uh, event that we went to and not necessarily no, no, a skeptic, but you were shy. I invited you to an event. I invited you to speak at the editor's retreat in 2014, and you did this wonderful, wonderful talk about post-production editing, and you also did this wonderful talk that was inspirational about fitness. And my, uh, you, you know, one of the things I find a wonderful battle is I find I, for somebody who has got as much woo going on in his life, for years and years and years. My cynical voice is just awful some days. And I I grew up around fitness. I grew up legit uh, back in the, for those of you who are over the age of a thousand, uh, I grew up in the old school Nautilus days. And I'm cynic, like, I, I think that anything is better than nothing. And back in the day, man, and you still are rough. You're rough on your body. And the Spartan race, I got a call, another friend who's into the Spartan races, our mutual friend. Did you just tell me Monica Daniel did her first Spartan race? She did. She crossed the finish line, got herself a medal. She's been talking about it for nearly a decade. Joined my training program. She worked on it for six months. She crossed the finish line like a champ. What what an inspirational moment, because I, I have to tell you, I won't jump out of an airplane. And I'm not interested in possibly damaging my wonderful instrument as a father. Uh, and but this, I'm cynical in the Spartan races, but I can be wrong, and I'm comfortable being wrong. And if it gets you to the right place, then goddammit, I am wrong. So uh, that was probably my cynicism uh, back then. But I'm still, I'm still, I don't care. I love fitness and post, and I almost want you to like bring back a segment. In every interview you do, like, and now here's our fitness and post moment. Mm, that's an interesting idea. I like that. Uh, what I find really interesting, though, is that your memory of the first time that we connected is very different from mine. Because we didn't connect when you invited me to the retreat. We actually met before that at an Adobe Creative Conference months before where I had a table. It was the very first time I ever set up any type of an expo table. I don't remember which Adobe event, um, but I was there. Uh, Kanan Flowers was there. Uh, Dan Baruby was there, kind of the, you know, the old gang. Could it have been, and, could it have been the um, Super Meat? It could have been. I don't remember what exactly yeah. it was called, uh, but it was at Adobe headquarters in San Jose. And I had my little table. I had my, you know, my packets of protein powder. I had my hand out and you kind of came over and you're like, what is this? Right, because you so you that knew was something. Adobe you Video know, World. Yeah, Adobe Video Adobe World. That's Video it. World. There you go. It was in you remember San that Jose. now? I do. You're like, what oh are you doing Lord. over here? What's this fitness and post thing? You, it was the very first you time we ever met. Me so much. You impressed me so much. That's how you got to the editor's retreat. 
So as much as cynical as I was, I was impressed the hell out by you. Um, yeah, well, I I always, the, I think part of my own cynicism that I have to fight is when it comes to, you know, because uh, it's now the rule of the day is referral pro, referral programs, um, whether it's uh, Beachbody or the like. Mm-hmm. And those things, I you know, I, I guess... I, I don't I, I grew up um are you are you a fan of uh Robert Heinlein? Uh, I don't know the name. Robert Heinlein wrote one of the seminal science fiction books, mm-hmm. Stranger in a Stranger Land. Mm, you, sure. you might also know him for um Starship Troopers. He was the guy oh, who yeah, of course. Him. Right. The book he wrote was totally different. Yeah, I'm sure. But one of his he, he makes two two interesting points through some of his characters, and one of them is um you know, anybody who's trying to, it, the old Princess Bride line, you know, uh, uh, never trust anybody who's trying to sell you something. And then the other one that goes with it is you can't, if you try and truly be altru- altruistic, and, and this is the battle, this is the flip side. If you try to truly be altruistic, people don't trust that. Mm-hmm. So if you show them your motivation, you know, how it will make you money or make you smarter or something, that they can buy into in a moment. Uh, but yeah, I remember Fitness and Post. I remember, uh, uh, and the reason that I made it a point to go and find out, part of it's my fitness heritage. Part of it is that those sort of events, I want to meet every vendor mm-hmm. to network, to find out what it is they're doing, what it is that maybe I'm not seeing. And here was this guy in a room full of plug-in manufacturers who wanted to talk to you about being healthy. And I, at the time, was at one of my low points, healthy wise. Um, I'm. I, I should look it up. I should grab my phone and look it up in Apple Health. I'll bet you I was at five nine. I bet you I was two sixty in that in that range. Well, you you, not, you sent me a, a picture that actually led to today's conversation. That I don't know if it was the exact same time period, but you were the the same person in your before pictures about the way that you were when I met you. So two sixty is probably about right. The, 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 the spot where I was at, I don't think you ever, I, I, God, I hope you never fell down this, this rabbit hole. I was at that spot right as you go to find pants and clothes where you've got to like go to that big and tall section. Right. And, and that's by the way, around 44 inches on the pants. It's about the spot where like, oh, they go, yeah, anything else you, you're going over there. And that that's was was like my top limit. Uh, thank God. I the heaviest I'd ever been was about a 270-ish. And I think one of the horrible things is the way we eat and treat our bodies in post-production. And you had such a, you still have such a wonderful message in those arenas that yeah, don't park your car one lot down. I'm parking my car on the other side of the parking lot to force those extra steps in. Uh, and you still had that message then. Uh, I wasn't as receptive to it at the time, probably. Well, it's it's not a not an easy sell. What I always used to say, and it's still it's not as applicable, but it's still you know it's not an easy sell. What I do today, it's getting easier. But essentially, I would always mention to people that I'm selling chocolate popsicles at a white glove convention. Right. Like being around a bunch of editors that want to get 
healthier? Like who does this guy think he is? And one of the the points, a little bit of cynicism that by the way, very rightfully so, I was very very early in my journey just trying to figure out how do I do this? And yeah, one of the things that I did was I attached myself to Beachbody and I wanted to do the protein powders and the fitness programs and you got to start somewhere. So I figured, let me take a a model that was working and quickly realize this is not a model that works for me. I don't want to be a part of it and very quickly shed it and said, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. But you found me when I was just trying to figure it out. I I love that sort of thing. And then because of you, um, if I said the name Nicholas Heibel, would you know the name? Vaguely. He was the head of post. He was the he was the post guy at Beachbody. Mm. He now works on Marvel films. Wow. As that. like and and if you like at some point, I'll introduce you because he's such sure. a wonderful person like you. And he's got a great, you know, fits into your story. Um yeah, I was amazed at the way you figured it out. I bought what was the um do you remember do you remember the uh uh um the vitamin powder that was in tubes? I forget what oh, it was called. Uh, nutrients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I think I still have some of them downstairs. They taste terrible. Do you yeah, still they're take awful. Them? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't use them anymore. I have a, I have a couple of different options that I use. Now I'm really into something that's called LMNT, uh, Element. Uh, it's made by Rob Wolf, uh, which is very much in the, the keto paleo space, which is now something we'll talk more about with your journey. Uh, sure. But I now do, I do electrolytes every day just because of the amount of physical activity and exercise and sweating and everything else. If I don't take electrolytes, I constantly cramp up just because I need more than somebody. So the, so LMNT is now an absolutely daily part of my routine. Have you, have you tried none tablets? Uh, I've heard of them. I haven't tried them, no, but I know of them. And N-U-U-N, when I'm doing something that's going to exceed, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I We can talk about this as part of the journey. I hate aerobic work up until about the last 24 months. Um, when I go to choose to do something of greater than 60 minutes, especially in a fasted state, I will uh, absolutely hit the wall and die around 60 without some intake. But I find that the electrolytes and none get me to the 75 and 90 minute marks. Right. I can't believe I, I, I can't believe that if you give me my choice on a Saturday morning, I want to do 90 plus minutes on a bike. That's just, yeah, I don't. I won't even do ninety minutes on a bike, so that's crazy. Um, but what uh, the I want to really frame where we're going next because sure. uh, we kind of talked about uh, where we started, how we met up years and years ago. You're very much on the the OG train of having seen this process from the very beginning. But I got an email from you several months ago, and basically you were literally half a person from the Jeff that I knew. And what I loved about you is it wasn't just, this is was my favorite part. It wasn't just, hey, look at my transformation. Here's my before picture and here's my after picture. You superimposed yourself over yourself in the exact same space, just to get an idea of what a difference it was. So what we're here to talk about today is the transformation and how you made it happen both on because I know you like to get in the nuances and the biohacking and the weeds and how many milligrams of caffeine, but you've also realized and you're also very good at understanding and teaching that it is about these smaller steps and it's about mindset as opposed to all or nothing or no pain, no gain. Like, so I love that you bring the perspective of the old school world of fitness and now this transformation you've made to, oh, maybe I can, you know, take these smaller long-term steps as opposed to change my life for 90 days. Ugh! Right. I I think that, so, so I was a personal trainer when I was 19 years of age. I would lift hard. And this is old school Nautilus. 
And uh, Patrick Inhofer, who uh, uh, runs Mixing Light, has discovered my old school background. A guy by the name of Arthur Jones invented Nautilus. Nautilus is what got circuit training. And I'm not going to get into debates with human beings on pyramid sets and split routines. This guy appealed to my sense of of general welfare of exercise. You can do hard work. You can do a lot of work. You can't do a lot of hard work. And my training partner at the time uh, was a Naval Academy graduate, played football for Navy, stronger than me in everything I could ever do, ever. He's currently the uh, strength coach of Bo Duane. He's been the assistant strength coach of uh, the 49ers, Kevin Tolbert. And there's like, if you Google Kevin Tolbert's name, there's a photo of this guy holding an anvil at arm's length, mm-hmm. you know? And he's just, so instead of trying to become the biggest guy in the gym, my thing was look at his science. If you're not writing it down, it's not science. It's great. And I'm thrilled if you go and you bench press. But my whole goal was one thing back in the day. One more rep than last time. That's it. Mm. Okay. If I do one more rep in every exercise, I'm stronger. Period. Couple variations on that. And there I am in my 20s. Uh, I, I go back to school and I discover post production and I love it. And what I'm not seeing is the cessation of any exercise. And I was blessed. I get to Penn State in my 20s couple of phone calls are made. I have the opportunity to be working out with the strength coach of Penn State football, JT. The only thing was I'd have to walk two miles in the cold in the mornings we were going to train and have to listen to a lot of country music. And Mm. the country music sounds so much worse than the cold and the walking personally, but that's just me. Right, right. right. Turns out it was the walking. It was the (laughs) post-production. It was the, I can do... I can do idiot, dumb, I'm going to go without sleep. You know, it's almost impossible to fall asleep if you're drinking water and standing up. And somewhere I became known as like 36 hours, 48 hours, you know. And I took it as a piece of pride. And as I got older, I realized just how stupid it was. But that's so common, though. Every it, When you first start, and even a lot of people will do it for decades, and it's just a cultural issue that I think is starting to shift, but has been one of my missions, is everybody wearing sleep deprivation like a badge of honor. Like, it's just stop. Like, it's, enough. Uh, how am I not dead? Yeah. I drove from, after finishing a film with my mentor at the time, I drove from San Francisco to Philadelphia in three and a half days by myself. Oof. And <clears throat> how am I alive? Yeah. Just from that one dumb move. I'm in post. I'm not moving. I'm eating the way I could at 23, lifting hard. Still hated aerobic work. What was the least amount of aerobic work? And I'm putting on the pounds and I don't see it. I don't feel it. I'm ignoring it. I'm hiding it. Looser clothes, untucked shirts. Still untucked shirts a bit. Uh, and and it just gains and you don't want to weigh yourself and you don't own a scale and you're eating and you're finding it, you know, 
nurturing your soul or covering up the areas where you're upset in life. And I I did some really good therapy. I've taken the therapeutic drugs that come with it, which often don't help. But if they, sorry, often don't help metabolism. If you're seeing somebody professionally, I am all for you on medications that help your sense of being. I'd rather see you alive and fat than not alive. How about that? And there I am. I'm getting older and older. My feet are terrible, Zach. They're terrible. But the real secret of why I won't do a Spartan race aside from getting hurt is my feet, three miles, four miles on my feet, I will have to put my feet up the next day. I have bunions. I have flat feet from lifting hard. Where I've been wearing orthotics for 20, 30 years. And here I am teaching. I've been on my own for a decade. Uh, and about four years ago, I come across, I, I start coming across, you'll, you'll, you know this stuff, bullet, the Bulletproof Diet, the Bulletproof oh, Coffee. Oh, yes, of course. The Bulletproof Coffee. That's where it all started. Right. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I can skip a meal for throwing a big bucket of fat in my coffee. You know, that's can't be too bad for me. And it it wasn't, you know, my my blood tests were just as bad, or I'm like 250. And suddenly, like I'm at two breaking 245. And turns out that I'm eating a little less. And I'm on Reddit. I'm on Reddit too much. Um, if you know it's not, it's it's not a Twitter for me, although Twitter and Facebook and I won't get on TikTok. They all have negatives. They all have positives. Mm -hmm. If it's your platform of choice, not for me to criticize. I go over to Facebook because I left one forum group and I just needed a secret place to research for post-production. And I pick up at some point a, uh, a broom and I start cleaning up the place because I go, I want the conversation to get better. And I offer to moderate. And I'm now checking into Reddit lots daily. And I noticed this thing happening, intermittent fasting. Skip breakfast. Okay. You know, I can't, can't. You know what? Let me make it really easy on myself. We get up early. I got, I got three kids now, but at the time I had two. We get up really early, you know, 5.36 in the morning. Maybe I, I don't eat already till 7.38. My wife's gone and I'm here or traveling somewhere. Could I take it to nine? Yeah, sure. Okay, can I get to 16 hours? Because, you know, the first real threshold, it, there's a lot of different flavors of intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting can be you eat five days a week and you skip two days a week. It can be you go uh, diurnal, you go 12 hours, you go 16 hours, you go 18, one meal a day. Steve, um, Steve Audette, wonderful WGBH editor, award-winning. I had encountered him at an editor's retreat, having lost a lot of weight. But he was doing the, I'm going to drink tea and only tea, and I'm going to not eat for like three or four days. And I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. Well, here's the big thing that, that I'm not hearing in that either. And we can talk about this more and I'll let you continue. What I'm also not hearing is something that's sustainable. It's not sustainable, but nine o'clock was easy. Suddenly, I get to 10 or 11 o'clock, and I, I struggle a little. But my, my whole thing is, is like, wait, I'm this old. I'm, I'm over, let's say I'm, I've been 39 for a lot of years. Somebody can, without too much trouble, figure out my age. You know, I'm talking about Nautilus, which is a 70s item. 
Um, maybe instead of me just trying to gut it out, like I was 22 and I could go 24 hours without sleep, instead of me, let's just make this stupid easy. Stupid easy is a great way I like to think about things. I, I've read the books. Uh, I forget the one where the uh, author talks about you have to change both the head and the heart. Um, if you're trying to steer an elephant, uh, you can pull him hard. You can, with your mind, pull him hard to the right. But the elephant, the heart, only go right so long. And from training people at a gym, people like make it two weeks. They make it six weeks. They make it 12 weeks. But something happens in their life and they fall off the cycle. And I'm just like everybody else. And I'm going, okay, let's just get to 16, 16 hours. I could do pretty easy. 16 hours, eat dinner at six o'clock, eat lunch at noon. Man, that's, that's not that rough. That's just skipping breakfast. Okay. I actually might have that wrong. Is that 18 hours? That's 18 hours, I think. Yeah. To eat at 10 never, o'clock in the morning. Never do math live. I've learned that lesson. You never knew math I, live. I, I do math live. I teach. I, one of the things I love to teach that nobody does is compression. I do math live. I like being wrong. It's just me testing. <laughs> I was suddenly hitting. It's only 10 in the morning. It's only 10 in the morning. It was easy. And I begin to see this very weird thing happen, Zach. I'm losing weight. And I'm looking at the intermittent fasting subreddits. And these people are just, they'll openly say something. All of it works. Keto works. Paleo works. Weight Watchers work. All it is at the end of the day is a deficit of calories. With the argument being made by the people who are really serious about this, that as you go into a fasted state, your body starts to shed, starts to have some uh, shedding autophagic response and the removing of the cleanup of some damaged tissues. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And a lowered insulin reaction. And I'm looking at a lot of the things around insulin. I'm going, okay, this is really, this might be really good. And I lean into at the same time, some of the keto low fast. I did some Atkins and, uh, you know, right around the nineties, which helped, but suddenly I'm seeing weight come off. Now I'm a numbers guy as much as we don't, I, I like metrics. I like measuring. I get the scale in and all I got to do is get on the scale and I'm watching and, out, and it goes up and down. You ever have an F with your head? Do you ever have one of those days where you go to the gym and it's off? I discover an app called the Happy Scale. And Happy Scale starts looking at my trend. And I'm doing what you shouldn't do. I'm weighing myself every day. But I'm watching the trend. And it's putting me in control of my body. And suddenly here it is and I'm, I'm headed to an NAB. And it's, I'm not, I'm like 235, two under 230 the first time like in 15 20 years and this is sustainable and some people notice it some people don't and then we have this little pandemic and by the way at the top of the pandemic i would already got into what's called wonderland i had already gotten under 200 pounds a weight i hadn't seen till prior prior century as i like to put it but it was just 
tiny changes. I, I went to my doctor. I said, oh, I'm not lifting. You know, I was about 2.30. I'm not lifting. I know I need to lift. She goes, well, why? And I go, well, it's going to slow down my weight change. She goes, go lift weights. Old school trainer. I hit the gym. Pandemic happens. I had a Bowflex already at home, which I wasn't using. I'm loving it again. And suddenly, it's a marriage of, I could cheat. I cheated tonight, by the way. I, I was exhausted. I got sick kids. I had a slice of pizza. The slice of pizza is not cheating. The whole pizza is cheating. The slice of pizza is fine. Um, but I'm making these tiny changes. And they're paying off. And any time that I think of cheating, like I go, wait a second. I don't want the last week to not have value. Not that it would be valueless, but I, I, I want to keep this momentum going. And that's the thing is tiny, tiny changes you can't feel. I cannot believe. I don't care about breakfast. I love breakfast. I had breakfast for lunch today. I, I would have had it for dinner too. But it's the idea that we're, this, this is the part that breaks my heart is we think it's a failing in ourselves or willpower. I think this is across the board. Uh, I think number one, thousand percent, you're dead on. We need to be well-rested, as well-rested as we can be as human beings. That's how we can make change. Nobody ever struggles with their diet when they're well-rested. We all struggle in the grocery store, shopping exhausted and hungry. Those are like the like the, the combination, the, the perfect storm of danger. Yeah, one of my rules whenever I grocery shop, and I do a lot of it uh, via Instacart now, just because I'm, you know, Mr. Time Efficiency and there are other things I could be doing. But my rule is if I'm going to go in person, which is about 50% of the time, I eat beforehand. I never go grocery shopping hungry. That's a phenomenal idea. I, if you asked me four years ago, I would say, hey, you know what? Grab a power bar, grab whatever kind of protein bar, eat it, wait 10 minutes and then go, go mm -hmm. food shopping. Today, it would be go grab a pepper, go grab like five carrots, eat that first. But I would actually tell you to eat a bag of Doritos or a slice of pizza before going food shopping rather than going hungry. Mm. So rule one is the rest is critical. I'm not as sure, and I would love to hear how much red light glasses, although uh, this is how highly I think of you, Zach. Oh, my. You got the, you've got the goofy looking red glasses. I don't wear them. But I bought them. So my guess is that the 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 idea or the thing that you're thinking about is, does any of that really make a difference? I think that we should all treat our bodies at some level as an experiment. And well, mostly because most people won't let me experiment on them. Mm. But I, I think that we should all treat our bodies as an experiment. We should measure as best as we can, try as best as we can, and just nudge the needle. And if you can't today nudge the needle in a big way, nudge it in a tiny way. Just nudge it. You can't with willpower. You can't, you cannot run a bad diet. Abs are built in the kitchen, not in the gym. But it's the tiniest changes. It's easy to change the course of the plane when you're at the start of your journey. It's a lot harder as you get towards the destination. Yeah. 
My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're going to invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash Topo. That's T-O-P-O. I love all of that. And the the one that I want to dig into deeper that I think is so important for people to hear is this idea that it, to some level, whatever is your comfort level or your slight discomfort level, um, treating ourselves like an experiment. And here's why I say that. We, the, when we're talking about ourselves as an experiment, there's this concept that I've heard for years and years in the biohacking and um, you know the personal development space of N equals one, right? It's just about me and my experience and gathering my data because it would be very simple. And by the way, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of all the research and all the pros and the cons of intermittent fasting or anything else. But there are a lot of people that could be listening, thinking intermittent fasting doesn't work. That's a bunch of bullshit. That's all, you know, something that Dave Asprey cooked up as a, a marketing scheme so he could sell more of his coffee. And there's plenty of research on both sides of the equation. Some people say definitively, no question. The science says yes. Oh, pff, definitively, no question. The science says that it has no effect. My response is, I don't give a shit. It works for me. This is working for me in a positive way. I think that it, I, by the way, I think Asprey's, nearly all the stuff is, personally, I think it's garbage. If it works for you, God bless you. Um, but Bulletproof Coffee got me to the idea of drinking coffee in the morning. I did not drink coffee until I had a child. Strange as that sounds. Me too. I didn't field. start drinking coffee until I was 33 when I had my second child. First child wasn't enough. The second one was like, all right, I give up. Teach me this coffee thing. I can't do it anymore. Uh, and I suddenly started to, to go, well, if there seems to be this correlation between these people and the fasting and going, drink tea or have coffee, black. Uh, okay, I have mine. I don't have black coffee. I, I put 
three drops of a stevia, some other natural, so just enough that it's got a little bit of taste. And I got, I went down hard into the AeroPress lifestyle. Travel and and Ooh, I you went into the culture Aeropress. of becoming a coffee drinker. Ooh, look yeah. at you and your AeroPress. I didn't grind. I should have, you know, I should have gotten to the, you know, the heavy grinding, but it was enough. It was enough to shave 800, 1,000. And it's this idea that, um, and as, you know, fasting has been around forever. In the first, it's been around in some religions. It's been around by some athletes. Um, Tim Ferriss, you know, huge Hey, at least once a month, I'm going without food because it has. And I read the, is it the four hour diet? Mm -hmm. I think uh, four hour week was interesting. Four hour diet, four hour diet gets into some weird areas. Okay. Got, you know, it's great. He's had a lot of, but to me, suddenly the weight's coming off. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do I get more of this? I'm lifting again and I'm losing weight eating less food, and putting on muscle. How do I know I'm putting on muscle? Because I can do one more rep. I'm just moving the needle that much. Sometimes it's that much, but mostly it's that much. It's not willpower. Hey, today's the day. I'm only lifting, by the way, once every about four days. Mm -hmm. Three or four days. Uh, it's full body. I'm so exhausted from it. I'm sore a couple of days. Did you ever do negative only training? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that uh, a big Negative part chins. of me. Yes, a big part of me developing better grip strength and better pull up strength and uh, fast twitch muscles for all the laches and everything is I do a lot of eccentric pull ups. So my trainer has got me actually timing it to the point where it's been a little while and I've uh, kind of taken a break from the the heavy stuff. But I did. It was well over a minute of an eccentric pull up from top slowly going down. It, I was able to go. So that in alone. A one minute dead hang is hard, but a one minute dead hang when you're eccentrically moving through the entire range of motion in a pull up is excruciating. So, yes, I know all about the the, the negative eccentric motion. It's intense. I want to I talk to I want to talk to your trainer because I want to I, I want him to hurt you. Um, it's a her, by I, the I wanna, way. But yes, her. I want her to hurt you because you're you. So uh, this process. uh if you've ever heard of Casey Vietor, the Vietor experiment, uh, the Colorado experiment from this is like 60s. Vietor gets really sick, loses, he was a bodybuilder, loses a bunch of muscle. And in something like 30 days, he puts on like 60 pounds of muscle. It's it's impossible unless you're on some drugs, you're training very hard, and there was a weight loss in one direction, uh, some atrophying to hypertrophy. He's only doing like one exercise, one workout every two or three days. And a lot of it's some negative only work. I haven't, you, I probably will do it later this week. I'll probably do need to do a set before the end of the year. The negative chins I do, negative chin-ups is a great example. You get a stool, you put your chin, and by the way, don't do this in an untrained state. If you're serious about lifting and you can do this safely. That's where I want you to do it. I do not want any human being on this planet who's not lifting regularly to go down this route. It is, you'll never listen to anything I would ever say again. You put your chin above the bar. You get a stool, get your chin above the bar. You take your feet up. You lower yourself for 10 seconds slowly. Mm -hmm. you put your feet back on the stool. You go back up. If you can do 10 of these, 12 of these, you strap some weight around your waist and you make it harder. Um, 
in the heyday of my wayward youth at my strongest, I was doing it with about 100 pounds around my waist. Nice. And that wasn't as safe as I'd like it to be. So what we started to do across the board with training, how can we make all of the compound motion safer, Zach? So instead of, it, we would do pullovers first. Instead of doing a negative squat or a negative leg press, we would do a leg extension immediately. It wouldn't be me do a set, you do a set. Oh no, brother. I'm going to sit back and do that leg extension into the, the negative leg press, and then you will. Or you'll wait till I'm done my seven, eight, ten sets of work, and I'm done for the day, can barely stand, maybe you've thrown up, and then I'll, you'll go through the workout. Um, eccentric work, we're stronger lowering than we are lifting. I'm doing negative chins by myself in my home. What am I thinking? It was wonderful. And I'm getting stronger. And before the pandemic, uh, I was training at a gym in Philly. Uh, have you ever heard of the X-Force equipment? Uh, yes. Isn't that the one that's like that bar? It's like like this big rubber band or something? Or am I thinking of something else? Thinking of something else. X-Force is, the, is, is where Nautilus went eventually, a Swedish company. You, you would love their exercise equipment. If you uh, find yourself in the Philly area, Zach, I'll make a phone call to get you into the place. There might be one in LA. The systems have a weight stack on a 70-degree angle. You do whatever exercise, bicep curl, row, whatever. At the top of the motion, you have to go nice and slow. The weight stack writes itself up and gives you extra resistance. Mm. Every single repetition has a maximum value positive and a maximum value negative. And I'm getting stronger. And suddenly, um, before the pandemic, when I was going to gyms, I was strong and I lose more weight across the pandemic. I go back to the gym and I am stronger, lighter than I was beforehand. Uh, I was uh, at NAB when I sent you that picture. I was 182 pounds. I'm right now 193. I'm up about 10 pounds. I, mm -hmm. uh, life sometimes happens. You know, it's okay. Fatherhood happens. The world happens. Business happens. Uh, when you were at 182, you were lighter than me. I like, need. I've been training I'm, my I'm ass off for years for Ninja Warrior, and you're sending me this picture, and I'm like, you're lighter than me. What the hell is going on? This wonderful editor from the editor's retreat, Jason Canuza, um, he's a Canadian editor. He, uh, Monica knows him, by the way, but he he stops me, you know, because he hasn't seen me for a couple of years because of the pandemic, stops me at NAB. And that photo is he and I, is, is, is he and I recreating a photo we had from years earlier. Uh, and if you don't, you, you're totally welcome to use it in the podcast. You're totally welcome to use it on the site. I, I absolutely had you in my mind as I'm getting fitter. In the back of my head, I'm going, yeah, when I get when I get to 170, 175-ish, then I'm gonna message Zach. And I was NAB and I wasn't, I was close. I, I was both disappointed and thrilled. I'm uh I'm doing aerobic work because I've been doing trying to do aerobic work the way I would trying to lift weights, willpower. And that was what the mistake was. Why do you do Spartan races? At the end of the day, it's because it engages you and you enjoy it. 
not only that, it goes a lot deeper than that. It, it engages me and I enjoy it. But one of the, the many things that I love about it is, number one, it's such wide and varied functional fitness. It's not one discipline. I get very bored very easily and I need to do a lot of different stuff. If you just said do the elliptical three days a week or do the treadmill or whatever, like I'd rather die. It's so God awful boring. What I need to do to be engaged with any activity, not just fitness, with any activity, but specifically fitness, I have to be learning skills. Just getting leaner, just getting stronger bores me. But if I develop skills, then I have something to work towards. So for me, Spartan or Tough Mudders or now American Ninja Warrior, it's such a complex, varied set of skills that you have to develop that makes you a more holistic, functional human being that that just drives me. And to be perfectly honest, I've kind of had the realization this year and I had it with another friend of mine that I run these with. Just the two of us ran a Spartan. We did a beast. This was like 14, 15 miles. And we got done with it and we were just like, Eh, it's just, it's not, it's not engaging us. It's not, we don't feel alive anymore. But then we ran a Tough Mudder with all the students that we've been training. We had the most fun we've ever had because we're watching other people have that light bulb moment where they realize, well, there's no way I can do this. We'll give it a try. Oh my God, I can do it. That was the funnest thing ever. So now it's about inspiring others to realize that they are capable of doing more. But for me, it's all about the varied skill set, the functional fitness. And every single day of the week, you do stuff totally different. Like the, the kind of stuff that I do for my training, like an example would be either with my trainer. Um, she's also a, a highly regarded stunt woman. She was uh, like Gal Gadot's um, stunt double for nice. the Wonder Woman movies, right? So one of the exercises she has me do is I'm learning how to take two nunchucks spin them in multiple directions while I'm on one foot offset on a BOSU ball. Like you don't do that when you just hit the gym. Like it's all these crazy skills that you're just, you're developing so many different skills. That's which to me is fun. And then of course, going back to what you said, um, I can't remember how you put it exactly, but it was something like, if you're not writing it down, it's not science or something like that. That's is exactly that? it. If you're not measuring it, it's not science. So I have a spreadsheet that tracks everything. Every single rep, set, weight, I've got it for the entire year. I could tell you the day, the time, the exercise, it's all there. So so this becomes, an, like, uh, interestingly, my question to you is you're spinning the nunchucks on one foot. How do you measure that? You measure the time, time on spinning nunchucks? Yeah, so it's, a, how it's many a combination, combination of time because it's, it's a time to bada set. So it's essentially um, how long am I able to do it without my foot having to touch the ground because I'm off balance. Uh, but then a little, little bit more of it is qualitative than quantitative. It's do I feel less burn in my forearms? Am I getting more consistent? One of the things she drives me crazy about, she's like, straighten them out. They're all, all over the place. You need to make them perfectly parallel to the ground. Right. So it's about qualitatively, is my form better? Is the speed more consistent? Is my transition between the upper and the lower and the figure eight, like all these little things that to me, like if you think about it practically, I'm never going to have nunchucks on Ninja or Spartan or anything else, but it's helping me develop forearm strength. But it's also developing a whole new level of coordination and balance that I've never experienced before. Yeah, I I I um, back in the day, I was doing some obscure martial art, full contact kickboxing. It's not important. All the guys moved over to Gracie after sure. I'd left it. But it took me, and I was training two or three days a week. Two days with like a, a personal trainer, one day with group training. It took me over a month, over a month 
to spin, Zach, to spin. Mm -hmm. I, I had such a disconnect with my body that like just for a month, all he had me do was spin forward in the dojo, spin back in the dojo, spin forward in the dojo, not throwing a kick, not throwing, just learning. And by the way, he, the guy who was training me, uh, Alfie Graves, Alfie was a, an Olympic alternate one of the years for, for sprinting. He, on the other hand, he could take two nunchucks, spin the nunchucks without a problem. I, it wasn't, just wasn't my DNA. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it, it, that's not where I was finding joy. Where I would find joy in the gym was that one more rep. And complicating it, here's, here is the, uh, how we didn't cheat. Our standard repetitions were more of a measurement of time under load. We were trying to find the safest way to work. This is, this is my, and I'm wrong, and I'm right. There's the other side of the fence. My struggle with Spartan, with physical based activities and my brother right now he's just come off of orange theory off of a bunch of years he's doing something else um my struggle is always the same is uh one if you get hurt during training something's wrong Mm. two how can you make it as safe as possible in its physical function so I'd go to a gym and I'd watch a guy use too much weight squatting, use too much weight bench pressing, play, you know, the game where the weights, the ego would get involved. And I was working out with a guy who was just, I'm telling you, like, you ever, you ever see a squat bar bend because there's so much weight on it? Uh, yeah, not some- in person, but I've seen him in videos and it's insane to see that happen. Um, I'm spotting a guy and it takes three of us to spot him at this point. And I go, our, our joints just aren't going to keep up with this. So how do we make it safer? Where I, and this is the way I train today, super slow, every repetition, 10 seconds up, 10 seconds down. I wish I had a trainer there. I don't. If I cheat though, it's really obvious. When I go into muscular failure, it's really obvious. There is no momentum. There is no throw. It's time under load. Minimum four reps. You go four reps. That's not a lot of reps. I go, what are you talking about? That's 80 seconds of work. That's a lot of time under tension right there. And there's no cheat. There's no resting. We um, we would take the squat rack, the safety bars, and we would put them at the top so you couldn't lock your legs. Mm. There was no rest. Mm -hmm. There was no pride in resting. We were trying to mirror. That was where the willpower was, Zach was showing up, working hard, moving the needle just a little, not, not how many reps could you just do, how much weight was on there. And then interestingly, how little aerobic work could you do? And the reason that being on the elliptical sucks is there was no way to measure how good or bad it was for me. None. And I stumbled into a DIY Peloton I'm like, okay, I can do this cheap, you know, knockoff bike. And I find this thing. Have you heard about power zone training? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically speaking, you take a measurement. You can do one. There's a way to do it for three minutes. The one that they do is a 20-minute test of the maximum wattage you can hold to kind of predict what your hour maximum will be. And you develop three zones below that, three zones above that. And you've got the ability to now hit aerobic exercise. Somebody goes, hey, 
go to zone two, go to your, your tempo zone. And you could hold it all day long because we know through measurement where you are. Mm-hmm. And if you retake that test and the numbers are higher, all your numbers move or lower. I'm right now, by the way, in week five out of week eight of uh, a power zone focus. Uh, right after the first of the year, I'll take a power zone test. And if I can be 10, 20% better, my aerobic, my fitness is that much better aerobically. And I'm doing 90 minute workouts as often as I can. And I don't know what the hell that's about, but I know that my body physically can do it. And it's not, it's a little hard mentally, but it's not you getting on the elliptical and saying how hard, and my heart's working hard. And you know, physiologically, your body can do it. Mm-hmm. 100%. So here, here's the part that I think is so much more challenging, not to take anything away from what's really challenging about a 90 minute workout or eccentric chin ups or anything else. But when you say you're doing 90 minute workouts, if I crawl into either the brain of our audience or frankly into my own, I'm thinking, oh, you must have a different calendar than I do because I don't have the time. Where are you finding the time? to be able to work out 90 minutes a day if you're a teacher and you're you know traveling all over and you're a father. Uh, must be nice, Jeff. So with one kid, the first kid, it, it runs into your life like a train wreck. And if you're in post-production whatsoever, the first kid, and, and you're anything like you or me, Zach, you're arrogant. You're like, oh, I can handle not sleeping a lot. I've, that's my whole career. Except you don't get to pick when you can sleep. The second kid, our first kid, it was a terrible sleeper. Our second kid was a great sleeper. I kind of got this. Uh, that's, by the way, she had turned uh, two, and I'm, that's where I start the intermittent fasting. I kind of still have, like, barely a hobby, but a hobby, you know? Third kid, uh, which was on purpose. It wasn't that I needed a boy or anything like that, but I had a third kid at, about three years ago. I have no hobbies i'm my my twitter handle my my instagram handle my facebook is film geek um i have not watched truly i i watch right now about four films a year that are truly films that i want to watch versus one two three films a week and the reason is is i don't have the space for it or my the the one thing that i get up and i remember especially as an older parent. If I want to be there to see these kids graduate and get married, I got to be alive. That's my motivation. That's the end of the day. So, you know what? Um, I'd really like to have a beer, but I'm not, you know, which kind of sucks on a Friday. And when I was traveling, my travel was great. I could be on the road. As long as I was doing the intermittent fasting, it was pretty good. I could still take the class out for, for a bunch of, whether it was an Avid class or a Resolve class or an Adobe class, I could still take them out afterwards, have two, three beers one of the nights. That's fine. Since the pandemic, I'm not drinking at all. Um, I don't have free time. My office is a mess. It's okay. I got two kids right now with fevers who've been sick all week. I'm getting half days, if I'm lucky, of productive professional work. Doesn't matter. I need to squeeze in right now, not a 90-minute workout, which is a Saturday, around 
our live schedules as we get towards the holiday. I need to be able to get that much stuff partially for sanity, partially for health. But it's got to get in. Otherwise, if it's not regular enough, it's not going to see the benefit. If you said to me a year ago, I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning because I got a sick kid and my wife's got to get to work and she's up at 5.30 and a kid could... I'm saying, you're out of your mind. I failed, by the way. I was supposed to be up this morning at 5.30 and I said, the hell with that. I'm sleeping in. Um, Did you fail, though? Did you fail or did you make the best choice for yourself? You You want the real best choice? I had one kid with a hundred and something fever, the 10 year old, she was up 11 year old. She was upset because she hasn't had a parent. She couldn't get to bed in a bed with a parent for like a couple of years. I went to the guest room with the sick kid. The older kid came and slept and I was in the middle and Zach, I'm going to be up two, three times in that night. And it was awful. Mm. And I told her tonight, I can't. You know, back to the bunk beds, I'll sleep. I can't do it tonight. And she's like, it's okay, dad. I'll sleep in the upper bunk. It's not a big deal. Um, I didn't fail. And it's wrong for me to frame it like that. It's wrong. You know, you should never tell yourself you're stupid. Gregory House can say he's stupid. Gregory House can be a fictional character. He's smarter than the rest of us, hopped up on drugs, and he can call himself stupid. We shouldn't call ourselves stupid. Those negative words breed bad things in our brain. Eat the food before you go to the grocery store. And it was really simple. All I needed to do was get, I need to get, uh, by the way, a 45 minute workout in. As I'm training, training harder, I I generally want to get three workouts in a week. The minimum I want to get in aerobically is three 30 minute workouts, 90 stupid minutes. Okay, I'm going to need an extra 10 to shower. Got to do that anyway. Didn't do that today yet. Oh my God. It's not going to happen. I'll do it tomorrow after I work out. But I, I got, I wanted to push my FTP, my functional threshold power, my power zone metric before the end of the year. And in the same way that you gear up for Spartan Run, I'm gearing up for this. I got my best friend from college. He's got a bike. I'm like, here's the schedule. I laid it out for you. We're comparing notes. Uh, it happens to be 345s this week. It really only needs to be two and a 60. The two we've done this week are hard, legit hard workouts. I mean, we uh, I, I forget the numbers. On a scale of zero to 10, where the actual testing protocol has you going all out for a 20-minute duration. Let's call that a 10. One earlier this week was an 8.5. This one was an 8. I'm going to get on the bike to do a low level. I just need to put in the mileage. It'll be a 4. It'll be a 3. I'll feel better afterwards. I'll feel mentally better. I'll be clear. What's your resting heart rate right now? It's got to be something fantastic. Well, it's not like, you know, crazy levels low, but you're talking about resting heart rate while I'm sleeping, like according to the aura sure. ring. It's usually in the mid 40s. It's beautiful. I'm, I was 48 last night. Mm-hmm. That's There's pretty awesome. Nice. Right. I'm still carrying too much fat. I'm okay about that. I'm not going to punish myself for it. I'm getting up. I'm going to 
to get up tomorrow. I'm going to be intermittent fasting. It's become sort of a comfort lifestyle. It's not really hard. There's a spot where I get hungry and the leptins are kicking in. I do better when I'm measuring it, Zach. That's not everybody's cup of tea, if you will, or cup of coffee. I do better when I'm measuring it. I'm using two apps, one for my scale, one for how long I'm going. When I feel complacent and I stop measuring, that's when my, my weight creeps. Do we have a thermostat in our house? Why? Our thermostat's job is to let us know, is, is to fix when it gets too hot or too cold. The function of a scale is a thermostat. The function of these is a thermostat. You need a feedback loop. The reason that so many people seek out people like you to help them improve their lives is a feedback loop. It's accountability. I, I don't like the word accountability. I don't. You can't make somebody else accountable. You can't. You can, you, we, we think we can tough it out. We can force our kids to behave a certain way. You can't. They resent you for it. But if you can intrinsically motivate them, it's a different story. We have feedback loops in post-production all the time. So there's the editor's cut. There's the director's cut. There's the producer's cut. Oh, my God. A bunch of people giving you feedback loops that you may or may not need that may or may not be necessary. I got one instrument. I got one instrument I need to play. It's not the nunchucks. It's this. Mm -hmm. Can't control how my face looks. Can't control being prettier in that. Res you know, can't be pretty like you. I wish I, could. Uh, I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. We I, share, the, we share the, the same follicle look for oh sure. Oh my God. Uh, except, except that I know what the shape of my head is. And that's why I got to keep whatever little I have. <laughs> um, God, God bless, uh, uh, like West Plate. I, I mean, I, I've seen pictures of him. I've known West when he, he had hair and it just looks weird now. I really, at the end of the day, don't think of it as accountability. It's just a, a, a thermostat. I'm just sitting back and looking, being able to hold up some level of mirror. Whether it's intermittent fasting or something else, it's always the same thing. If you're not measuring it, how do you know where you are? Mm -hmm. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my Topomat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the Topomat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's 
that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. What I want to challenge you with is this idea, and I don't think you're there, but I think you can uh, identify with this, and I would guess in all of the, the Reddit groups that you frequent. There's a difference between your positive relationship with the data and the tracking and the fact that this is a feedback loop that's motivating you versus it becoming an addiction and becoming defined by the data. There are people that live what's called the quantified life where it becomes this addiction whereby it's 11.57 p.m. I haven't hit my numbers. I have to go run around the block three times to hit my steps, but then you just completely destroyed your sleep for the night. But it's all about the data. You're not there. But I think that's one of the challenges of this feedback loop. That's a, that's a, man, that is a great observation. So I think my outlook has been uh, influenced by two different spots. But both of them are the same thing. And they're a unhealthy relationship with numbers and addiction. And they usually are lower level signs of something else. Not always, but often. Um, one, I had a parent with anorexia. And not like, you know, I mean, legit, she was hospitalized. They needed to make sure she was putting enough calories in. I've seen the apparent behavior of a relationship with a mirror and a scale. Mm. That's very important, which is why you were talking about how I know I shouldn't be measuring every day, but I am. But it's, it's important that you bring that in because that's a really, uh, really necessary part of your story. So, yes, go on. But I, I grew up I grew up with a parent who disappeared for six months. Who we were kids. I got to tell you, I'm like nine, maybe seven. I don't remember the exact can't can't ask my dad what he's passed because of Alzheimer's. Um, they've both been gone for more than a decade. But like kids, when we talk about kids being resilient, my brother and I, we would love going to the hospital because we could race up the 10 flights of stairs because that's the floor she was on. And then we could run down two flights because we could get microwave popcorn there. And that was some, like, that's, that's what I remember all these years later. The second spot that I think is uh, important is I was, as I said, I was a trainer and I've seen two really awful stories of people addicted to exercise. Um, there was one woman who essentially was running a half marathon every day. Every single day, she went to, I think it was the Philly Marathon, and somewhere like on mile, oh, it was actually the guy who was like this. He was like in mile like 18 or so, felt something weird, got a fracture on his pelvis. But because he was feeling, he was so addicted to the, he finished the marathon before, you know, he had it x-rayed. And then there was the woman who in her 20s burned through her calcium in her body. because she had to do more exercise than the food she brought in every day, mm-hmm. fell on the ice, broke her femur in her 20s, had mm. pins in her leg, but would come to the gym, you know, two weeks, six weeks later, 
and be on the bike with one leg. And I, I say that, Zach, that I was lucky enough that these people were around early enough that I learned, oh, God, I need the feedback loop. I, I love the numbers, but there is a real spot, a real line that I am never going to cross. And that's the dysfunction. And I can't evaluate that on other people. And some days my wife goes, oh, come on. You don't, you, I don't want to hear about how you're losing weight because I'm not. But I'm obsessed with the numbers because it's a positive relationship. And you're dead on. And I don't have the magic trick, the magic flag of when it becomes uh, obsessive. I think that if you're worried about making your steps, it's obsessive. I was obsessive for a while around meditation. I made. Oh, I remember you. You would. Uh, I don't remember the thousand amount. Thousand plus days. But at one point, you would come up to me in between sessions at editors' retreat. Like, you got to see Headspace. You got to see Headspace, and you show me the number. And like, you were proud of that, and that that to me is positive. But tell me how it can be a negative obsession that you're doing something so apparently healthy for you every single day. What's worse? What's crazy about that one? is the idea is that you're supposed to have some detachment of your, you're supposed to have some level of distance of your emotions. So both good and bad, you're able to observe them, consider them, but they're not who you are. Uh, what is it? The line is uh, behind whatever clouds, there's always blue sky. Mm. And, uh, you know, at, at that point, I stopped caring and I went out of my way to break my streak just because I was too attached to it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it's definitely dangerous. But, you know, that's that's the spot where people's systems break because, because oh, you know where that, that actually has a beautiful parallel? Is something, I don't, I don't know how much you still really have deep talks about burnout, being burnt out. Oh, burnout is a core foundation of many of my conversations. That's that's never going away. I may not talk as much about nutrition and bulletproof diets and all that other stuff. Burnout is a foundational conversation I have all the time. Every the attachment day. to too much exercise, too much fitness is the physical burnout. Oh, because absolutely. your body eventually breaks. Oh, I've I've gone through exercise burnout more than once, which I never thought I was even remotely capable of. Like me burning out from exercise, like sure, the Where'd mental stress of uh, I just burned out on too much intensity too often. Going back to what you said earlier, which is the idea that you can do hard work and you can do a lot of work, but you can't do a lot of hard work. Oh, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. Watch me do a lot of hard work until my body says, nope, we're done. I've, I've hit that wall more than once in the last five years. I'm, I'm terrifically curious. Do you then take an extended rest? When was the last time you took? Because, you know, the, the whole thing is, because rest, sleep may be the best educational piece for all of us in this regard. Um, the exercise we do is a stimulus. And the rest provides the space for the response. The rest is without where you rest. actually get stronger. And without enough rest, the one of the things we did as an experiment, we trained our, we did our, our hard workout. And then we took five days off. And then we did our hard workout. We took four days off. We did our hard workout. We took three days off. And we took our did our hard workout. And what we found is somewhere between three and two days, we suddenly hit walls hard 
because we were all lifting as hard as we could. Um, and it it's it's why sleep is so stupid important. Mm-hmm. And that's look, forget the weight loss, which I'm thrilled with, forget the fitness and nothing else. I now have such utter respect for sleep and such utter disrespect of my own foolishness. What is it? It it just took me years and years and years to learn. And if you're listening to this or listening to any of Zach's stuff and you go, oh, no, no, I get I get a solid seven to like, you know, towards nine and I'm tracking it and I know I'm getting good deep sleep. God bless you. You're smarter than I am. Because I spent way too many years going, oh, yeah. I got a 24, I got a 48 hour, I got a 72 without sleep. Isn't my something, something ego out of control? Yeah. It's like, Hey man. So I just shortened my lifespan by a month yesterday. You too. I just took off six weeks of my lifespan, dude. Awesome. It's like, how stupid do you sound? We don't see it like that. We have unfortunately this Puritan ethic this Puritan, and I'll even go further to say it's driven by the capitalist level nature of, of that. Uh, and I'm not saying that working hard should be something to shamed of. I think the Gordon Gecko creed is good, is much like Scarface. Neither of these people should be admi- admired. These are both bad sort of influences. I, I see some of the stuff coming out of the UK where they're doing like four day weeks and I go, mm-hmm. this is a big thing that's starting to become a trend. I do want to circle back to this idea of overwork, the badge of honor, burnout, right? And also this idea of taking breaks, uh, extended breaks. Because uh, uh, I too have, uh, was always of the mentality, I'm just going to work as hard as I can. At one point, I prided myself in being a machine, right? I could, I could outwork anybody. And I still could, I wouldn't make that decision anymore, but I know I'm still capable of it. I just choose not to. But you would ask a question that I really want a chance to dig into a little bit deeper, which is, you know, what what what's a, a long rest that you've taken as far as the, the physical exercise? And for years, I was doing P90X, P90X2, P90X3. Right? I want to yep. add one. I want to add one question before you tell me about the break. Yep. Was it an injury that caused you to take the break? It was not. It was not an injury. Okay. I've, had, I've had one injury in the last five years, and I'm not counting that as the break. That was about okay. three months of rehab and uh, like relearning. Is uh, I basically I tore the cartilage in my left shoulder from all the crazy swinging and pull ups and everything else. But that wasn't the thing. What I I was working with a mobility coach because I discovered that at my age and with my profession of being hunched in front of a computer, I literally couldn't get my body in the positions to do a proper pull up. Or to be able to swing from one bar to the next without really severe injury. And I was just muscling my way through everything. And he said something really profound to me. He was a a former strength and conditioning coach, I think at University of Kansas or something, somewhere in the Midwest. I don't remember. But he was uh, was really into strength and conditioning in football. I I think he was like one step away from being a professional NFL quarterback and decided I want to get into um, really learning mobility. And I had been pushing really hard my first maybe seven or eight months of ninja training after having not done any real exercise for a long time. And he said, I think now we want to go through a rest period. I'm like, yeah, cool. Totally. Like, what should we do? Like a rest day, a couple rest days? He's like, no, you're going to do four weeks. I'm sorry, four weeks? You mean I'm going to lose everything that I've done and I'm going to go back to being out of shape and weak and all? He's like, 
trust me on this one. She's like, and he did this every, uh, every year between seasons. And his father was also a professional trainer. And he said, the only thing you're allowed to do for four weeks is take walks, no heavy lifting, no intense cardio. And he said, watch what happens. And I was terrified of this because I'd worked so hard. I was counting the numbers. I knew my max pull-ups, everything else. Four weeks later, I was stronger. Like what the hell is going on? And I've now since applied that philosophy, not only to my training, where sometimes I'll go weeks without doing any intense training, but my body knows when it's like, dude, you need to lay off. I've learned to develop that awareness, but I also apply it to my creativity. I can now feel it when I've been really intense with putting together a brand new workshop or, you know, cutting scenes or whatever it is. I now plan those breaks. So I knew that when I finished Cobra Kai season five, for example, which was at the end of March, 2022, I finished it and I said, I'm just going to assume that for the entire month of April, I'm not doing any really intense creative work. I'm still going to do work and wake up and I did my coaching calls and answered emails, but I'm not going to plan anything that requires a lot of deep work and creative focus because it's just not going to be there. So I now forgive myself and I plan for these breaks. Three items. One, every marathon or every professional athlete, I was training some professional athletes, some Olympians over the years. Every single one of them, about a week before competition, stop. Mm -hmm. Stop fully because they need that extra recovery because they're all, frankly, a bit overtrained so they can have the best game day possible. Mm -hmm. Two, football players, even with bye weeks, they can't recover in a single week because of how much impact and damage they do. And without the off seasons, they would never, ever make it. Three, I think that there's, maybe there's even a four in here. I think there's a little bit of a struggle with the consumerism or our need or our important need to keep our family fed, especially with all the chaos going on in life. Um, and it becomes really, 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 really hard sometimes to take breaks. I find that I'm at my most creative when I'm bored. Mm -hmm. And now that I have to go out of my way to cultivate boredom and the damage of social media and its dopamine driven items means you never have to be bored in life. Yep. No, no. It means you never get to be bored because saying you have to be bored sounds like a negative thing. I am intentional oh, I, about creating boredom in my life. No, no, you didn't phrase it wrong. I just, I want to point out how powerful that language is. We don't have to be bored. I'm thinking... I don't get to be bored. I love I want to be bored. I, I want to go out of my way to sit back, to throw a ball against the wall, do a repetitive, boring, non-digital activity. My favorite place to be bored, Zach, is while I'm my eyes are closed and I'm washing my hair. As I get close to a conference, a place where I'm speaking and there's a lot of people, I'm the cleanest I've ever been in life because I'll take two <laughs> showers a day to find those pieces of inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the shower is one of the top three or four places to create creative inspiration because you can't do anything else. It's warm, you're getting more blood flow, and that's where the creativity happens. Unless, of course, you have to have a podcast going or whatever, which I'm like, no, just allow space in your brain to create and collect and just uh, connect all of those ideas. Like that's that's really what it's all about. So, so you know, it's the... The, 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 you know, they, they go hand in hand that rest permits this. 
moving the needle in tiny marks is the hardest thing to allow ourselves. And it, and it's that allow ourselves. My 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 favorite trainer. So um, I'm doing Peloton. I'm not doing their strength. I'm doing my own way. I don't need their other stuff. I think it's great that they're doing it. They got to keep their business model viable. Um, on the embracing, because one of the things I wanted to point out was the neuroplasticity of you standing on one leg, spinning a pair of nunchucks. It helps your brain function further. I'm doing this power zone training and it makes perfect sense for me the way it works. It's not heart rate-based zones. It's something else. Matt Wilpers is the guy who is, they consider the professor of it. They got a bunch of instructors that do it. I discovered this instructor, Dennis Morton. He's a little long hair and eventually gets his hair cut. A little out of my, but he teaches some yoga classes. I'm like, I really do. You know what? I've never in my life been confident enough to go to a yoga, but now I can try this at home and I'm barely able to stand on a foot. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm doing the easy. It doesn't matter. It's giving me, it's something different. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Wow. Look at the way my mind is wandering. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's something different. Yeah. That something different is just absolutely so key. And when you're learning something new, when it's novel, when it's different, when you're developing a skill that at least for me, and I know that for a lot of people, that's what makes it sustainable, which to, to kind of wrap all this up. And as much as I'd love to go on for, I could probably go another three hours because I love these conversations, you're, but both of talked about, we could go- we've talked about fatherhood and right now I have a very hard out to go pick up my daughter at gymnastics. Of that's all, what I'm uh, got times. my eyes on. So for anybody that uh, has been inspired by your story, they want to learn more about colorlab.ai. They want to learn uh, what uh, preferences you can share to make them cry in their tool of choice. What's the best way to connect with you? Best way to connect with me is through jgreenbergconsulting.com. By the way, that's Color Lab with a U. It's the English way, if you will. Um, but uh, I'm Film Geek on pretty much every social network, except for Twitter, except for um, Reddit, where I'm Greenies Mac. I'm doing this fun little podcast with my good friend, AV Guru One, Michael Thomas. Uh, it happens to be called Star Wipes. And uh, PVC, I believe, is going to start pushing it out as a podcast. We do it more as a live item at the moment. Mm-hmm. A record uh, switched live that we publish on YouTube. And with that, my friend, I want you to go pick up your kid. I uh, definitely am going to. Your background has got dad right there. Mine right here. This one, that's my first kid right behind me. Um, it's a joy. Uh, you've promised though, we would get to redo this where I revisit something where I interview you and I'm going to hold you to that probably after the new year. Yes. Well, well, we shall talk about that in the near future. So I love that idea. So, all right. I'm going to bid you adieu for now. Can't thank you so much. Uh, and I know this story is going to inspire many to make some changes. So really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, fairly healthy there, my friend. Nice. I love your well guns, done. but not bad. Well done. Well, the next time we see each other in person, we'll have to do a, a pull-up or a dead hang contest. Uh, well, we can do a pull-up or a dead hang. Uh, I'd like to see if I know I got to train. I'll go longer than a minute. Nice. I love it. Dead cool. hangs are right. hard. I will talk to you soon. Right, my friend. You go. have a good one. Go get you. Bye-bye. Too. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. 
Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.